Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolute pleasure today to have a friend and superstar IFBB pro from the local King's Gym, Mr. James Hollingshead, on the podcast. So, thank you very much, sir. How are you doing, Charlie? You're right, my friend. Yeah, very good, very good. You're only a few miles down the road, so normally have an international podcast, so it's a, a local chat for once. That's very pleasant. Yeah, keeping in the neighbourhood. <laughs> trying, trying. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know who you are, James, uh, just give anyone a little rundown of who you are, accolades, where you're from, what, what you've got, obviously got going on at the moment. Yeah. All right, so um, it's quite simply, I'm, uh, I'm a bodybuilder from England. I've uh, been competing since 2008. Uh, managed to win our national title in 2017, which qualifies well, you. The, the last one as well, wasn't it? The last, like, old school. A lot, yeah, the, the rules. Before the rules all changed and they started... Um, making it easier. Bring, yeah, making it easier, to be fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, won the, the overall British Championship in 2017. Qualified for the pro, pro card and um, been living life, really, as a professional for the last kind of, like, two years consistently and just been very busy with competing, as you've seen. Uh, trying to get my uh, name out there on the being active, um, but also involved in a few other projects. Have my own podcast, kind of um, have some involvement with King's Gym. Uh, there's always good things, you know. I've got my. I'm not like a. Um, I'm certainly no entrepreneur, but I like to be able to have a few things going on at once and uh, have involvement. So um, busy boy, but my main line thing at the minute really is just trying to be a, a great bodybuilder because bodybuilding being one of those things that's a short-lived. Um, it's not a long career, so I kind of my emphasis and focus is on that at current, if I'm honest. Um, and that's sort of so what you yeah. want to talk about was just maximising the genetic potential in every sort of moment and every day that you have. And I know that's something you massively believe in. And like, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. I think there's other people out there who are more genetically, yeah, yeah oh, yes. than you. But like, in in my opinion, like for me, what I love about you is like your consistency. Like when I first met you, and I first like got trained with you a few times. I still remember you saying to me, like, you'd have to wake up during the night to eat because otherwise you'd lose weight. And, like, that's, and, like, you didn't miss a meal. For, like, and that, that, for me, just, like, really hit home about the importance of consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, I've, I've been really fortunate enough to talk to people of a high level in this sport, um, you know, the branch warrens, people like that, that you would probably say the same about, you know, in terms of genetics versus others who probably potentially had the, the better hand from birth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but yet they've been able to um, override such things. And uh, one thing that kind of is present in everybody that I've spoke to of that is the endurance factor. So, you know, being one of them people that all year round, you stick to the game plan and you do that consistently for a period of years when others dip in and out, even if they're genetically better, they're dipping in and out is what causes the stagnation of progress. So for me, it's always been very apparent that the only way to really progress is you have to always be 90% or more. And I know it sounds really extreme, but it takes extremes to be great. And um, one thing that really was instilled in me from a young age with this, this bodybuilding was that if you really do want to rise to the top, then you have to accept that you're going to be some of the full, full throttle probably from day one to day, you know, today, the last days of your career. Um, there is no time for true kind of relaxation as much as we all think there is when you get to that point and you um are climbing the ladder you soon realize that even days off um become hard to do because mentally you're so in tune with trying to progress that 
taking the taking the the, the gear down a, a peg isn't something that's kind of in your in your nature. Um, and I have to add this as well: brakes are important. Yes, of course they are. You do need to have these uh, kind of implemented brakes and whatnot. But at the same time, your brakes still need to be constructed. They still need to be organized. Have method around them. It has to be method. You you rest as hard as you train. The reason for rest is is to progress, not to essentially come yeah. away. It's just to allow yeah, it's to allow your body to actually progress. It's a part of the puzzle. You know, it's another piece, the much larger, um, a larger puzzle piece that you uh, you're trying to find the perfect kind of <laughs> combination of jigsaw pieces and put them together to create this beautiful masterpiece. Um, sorry if I, I dragged on a little bit there, but you know, I'm passionate about progress. And, I know yeah, the and that's why I say I love you. It's, the, it's, the, it's not it's not the body, and it's it's the mind behind the body is what drives drives you to progress forward. It's not necessarily just the physical actions; it's the mental actions, the habits daily that take you forward to where you want to be, whether it be in business or in in your physical, yeah. whatever it is you're looking to achieve. It's certainly both, because at the end of the day, you spend 24 hours in your mind. So if you can't master that part, then you're you're doomed for failure because you're going to spend more time in your mind than you do in the gym. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the gym's probably what two hours of your day so physically exerting super hard two hours isn't that hard that's not the difficult part that's the part 22. of the enjoy. it's the other 22 when you're saying to yourself don't eat this or um, make sure that you uh, keep a positive mindset throughout the day because I know this is a hard task what you're trying to set yourself to do but ultimately you need to keep a positive outlook because if you don't have a positive outlook you're soon going to get tired of this whole this whole plan and, and decide to probably pull away and change your life's direction because it's becoming too hard because it's all perspective at the end of the day. You, everything's hard. Everything's hard for everybody. Everybody works hard. It's just a matter of whether you look at it from a perspective of this, this working hard is going to reward me or this working hard is laborious and monotonous. And I always say, just try and focus on the, the, the pro- progress. So like when you see little changes happening, just try and take those in. Mm. Try and, just try take the small wins. Small wins, small wins over a long period of time. And I know it's cheesy and everyone says it, but don't set long-term goals, set those short-term goals. And as long as you stack up a load of those, by the end of those short-term goals, you're going to be astonished with the, the progression that you've actually made. Yeah, the thing, the thing for me, I just like taking it 24 hours at a time. And you know, you know at the end of the day where you've had a perfect day, where you've nailed everything, like you yeah, can't... What can you yeah, what, what more can you do? Oh, listen, 20, you know, 24 hours of, of complete success times seven... <laughs> Yeah, you do that for ten years. You do that for ten years. Where the hell are you going to be? You're going to be somewhere fantastic, and uh, that's it. I think I think a lot of people kind of put too much pressure on themselves and think about the long term. But then also think there's the other way around with the new age, you know, the new society of everything has to come fast. Right, we're kind of torn between these two these two mindsets. Some people focus on the long term, and some people like try and make the short term the long term. They want it now. So they're like, what would mean you would think, okay, I maybe want to put five pounds of lean tissue on in three years, which is a sensible approach. There's guys out there that are like, I want to put five pounds of lean tissue in in, in three weeks. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you've, got to, you've got to find an even, you've got to find somewhere in the middle because you do need to be hungry enough that you're not procrastinating, but you're not, you need to not be too enforceful that you're going to do yourself harm. Yeah, you can be too overly aggressive. And same thing with people yes. taking scale weight. It just it never ends well. Yeah. Oh, never ends well. Never ends well. They could become insulin insensitive. They end up having to re restructure their diet back to basically what they were doing six months ago, pull all the carbs out and basically just reset the whole body and, and go again, which is just a, kind of a waste of time because you're just going around in circles. 
it comes back to that point you're talking about like small consistently chipping away improving and growing rather than lumping on a load of weight for six weeks and then you've completely fucked your body and then you have to basically reset everything and waste another six to eight weeks probably doing that do you know what as well what we we see a lot of this is that people misunderstand that ultimately yes scale weight is it is important it's great it's something that's uh easily to um measure but you could be the same weight for six weeks on end, but composition could change and you might be improving. So you have to kind of have a bit of a deeper look into it than that. You can't just assume the body weight is everything. And that's goes for both ways, going up, going down, whether you're trying to get leaner or you're trying to get bigger. Sometimes weight does stick, um, but the changes that you have been seeking are going on. So you just need to have a little bit more of an analytical eye and to actually have a look deeper into things rather than just looking at those numbers. Because the numbers can can shock you. You can wake up to, like, tomorrow four pounds heavier for no oh, reason. Yeah, my weight's gone up two kilos in the last two days, but that's not two kilos of body fat. Like, I know, no, no. I know why. Like, it's not any reason. It's this different hydration. Sorry. Yes, yeah, alternation between rest days and high carb days and things like that. Um, perhaps digestion wasn't as good yesterday as it normally is. Maybe you were less active. Maybe you had a rest day. Like, there's there's just so many factors that contribute to the fact that the scale weight itself is not the sole um, measurement of progress. 100%. 100%. In that respect, I think that's why it's so important to have like a coach because you've got someone from an external point of view to give you some accountability. Um, obviously, you've just started to go and work with Chris Aceto now. Say that again, Charlie. Sorry, mate. I'm having a little bit of a... IT issue. Um, you're just going to go, you've just started working with Chris Aceto now, just talking about the importance yes. of having a coach. Yeah, I'm happy. So the reason I've gone with Chris is kind of um, no disrespect to previous coaches, but you know personalities, obviously, of people. Yeah, some we people all, just don't. I don't you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to gel with people and you have to feel comfortable in their, in their I suppose, uh, company. And I was, I was doing good, don't get me wrong, with my previous coach, Phil. Um, but when I spent time in America with him, I realized that personalities clashed. And if I'm looking at trying to improve a relationship and for it to keep, you know, be an ongoing thing, long term, if, yeah, if I'm already irritated by personality clash, eventually it's going to lead to a lot more uh, chaos than needed. Yeah. So I had to pull back, and I kind of wasn't in a rush to go anywhere else. But Chris kind of reached out previously, and I kind of reached out a couple of years ago to Chris, and he had already said that he would be happy to work with me. So it was kind of already set up that one day it would happen. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and obviously, mentally, I know, like I said to you earlier, bodybuilding careers aren't long. So I don't have time to be like, shall I, shall I, shall I, shall I? I don't want to be competing really past 36. Yeah. Uh, you know, being 30 years old now, that means it's six years. And do you know how long it takes to get ready for a show? You're going to spend a good, you know, few months of a year getting even ready for one. So write that time off. You know, you're not even mm. actually presenting yourself on stage. There's not many opportunities. No, so it's very, very, very limited. Very, very, very limited. In terms of that as well, who are your big, biggest other influences in terms of your career so far? Um, obviously, you've got to have to mention Dorian. Dorian was always the intensity chaser. So you always looked at Dorian for mm-hmm. the, the kind bar of, level um, of like how, intensity. Yeah, like how you should be treating your training. Like if your training is going to be any less intense than Dorian, then you don't deserve to be Mr. Olympia because he was Mr. Olympia. So you kind of look at it like that. Um, but along the way, you know, I always used to look up to uh, more local guys as well. Steve Avery, um, 
and then fellow bodybuilders that were, you know, very good at the time, like the Flex Lewis's and uh, who else? Well, when I was coming up, Nathan, the Asher, those people, I was watching the shows when I was in my teens and I was just mesmerized by lots of people. And I didn't just look at who was the best in the world. I looked at who could be the next step for me. So Nathan was always a very um, a good beacon for me to kind of look at and try and chase because he was a couple of years older and a realistic goal. So he won Junior Mr. Britain, you know, 2007, I believe. And I said to myself, I want that title. 2009, I got that title. 2014, he won the overall. I said, I want that title. 2017, I got that title. So I always like have someone that I can look at and try to chase. But then you do always have someone that you totally admire and your aspirations. The long term Yeah, like Dorian Yates was the, the ultimate goal. And then you have goals in between here and there. Um, like realistic ones that allow you to keep pursuing this without feeling overwhelmed. No, 100%, 100%. Next question, we've got some questions that come in from people on our social media and Instagram bits and pieces. So some of these bits are like questions I'd want to ask you anyway. So I know you're currently on a push-pull legs training split yourself. Have you got any preferences of that versus a like traditional body part bro split? I know you've all said sometimes... I think what everyone should do is... Thing with push pull, something that needs to be modified. So, like, if even even if you ask Dante, um, not Dante, if you ask Dusty Hanshaw about DC training, he was one of the first advocates of DC training. Okay, he will even say himself now he doesn't DC train. His philosophies are DC, and I I feel that that's kind of what push pull and me and Jordan. That's kind of the way I am. It's like I do do push pull, but the philosophies are more important than the the setup. Yeah, the overall, then the split, it's the the yeah, training. I think the intensity factor, the set totals, the workload versus, you know, the actual organization of your training. I do like push pull, but I think every person needs to do it for a while and modify it to suit them. So you might find that the volume of specific body parts needs to be increased on one part and another might have to come down, or you might find that you have to slightly adjust push pull and build a program that looks more along the lines of Dorian Yates. Yeah. like a four-day split. I don't think there's one. It all comes down to factors of genetic recovery capabilities. Um, obviously, strong body parts and weak body parts in terms of uh, physical appearance. And also, it comes down to time, you know, time that you have to be in the gym. You know, you might not be able to be in the gym as much as other people, so you have to get more done within a workout. So push pulls great if you can only train three days a week. But yeah. a bro split might be ideal for someone who can get in the gym six days a week without overburning. Cause I find what I like about bro splits, if I'm honest, is when I'm close to showing recovery capabilities are quite low, you're distributing the workload over a week more so that you're not having any particular days that are too uh, intense for to recover from because it's you know yourself. Push pull beats you. Yeah. Push pull does beat you into the ground because it's very, very intense. And there's a lot of work within a workout, a lot of compound and a lot of spread throughout the body. So when you're beating up, multiple body parts in one session, it becomes a bit of a task to recover. Whereas obviously a bro split, you beat up your biceps and your triceps. They're going to be pretty much recovered, you know, within a day or two. Yeah, it it really comes down to the individual. I think all splits work as long as you adhere to them 100% and every other factor is on point, such as nutrition, rest and uh, supplementation. And I think it comes back to what you were saying as well. It's not actually... Ultimately, the overall split and training style isn't necessarily the most important thing. It's the intensity of what you're doing. Like you talk about Dorian Yates, like you can have the shittest training program in the world, but if you went in there and just nailed yourself full bore, you're going to progress. 
this is the thing, and that's where that's where people get confused because it's not a case of more is better; it's a case of better is better. And I know that's been said so many times before. But yeah, like just this is why execution is so important. This is why I admire people like Ben uh, Epac, you know, Jordan Shallow, hypertrophy coach, guys like that. Are, you know, they're very, very aware that execution of exercises means that you can limit the amount of actual work that you do because the work is more uh, intense Precise. within. Yeah, within that, you know, you don't have to be doing seven sets, eight sets, nine sets on a bit of exercise. You can do two sets and get maximal return. And that's, that's, that's what I try to promote. That's my biggest thing is, and that's the biggest change that I've had in the last probably three years since turning pro is about reducing, uh, not, it's not because you need to reduce volume. It's that you need to step up because volume is great if you're intense throughout the whole volume, but people lose their intensity because they like, we got three sets, first two sets, eh, first set I might give it my all. Whereas when you've got one set or two sets to do it, you tend to give your all to both. And I like the two set principle because if you perform well on the first set, you kind of go into the second set thinking, I want to beat that. Yeah. Let's say you just ran, you just set a time on the 400 meters and then someone says, do you want to try that again? And you're like, oh, do you know, I wouldn't mind trying to shave off another second. It's kind of that. Whereas if there was a third one, I'd be like, nah. It's it's, it's got to be appealing. The first unit was almost warm-up sets. So people do four sets. The first three are are nothing. And the fourth set, they go like 80%. Yeah, it's, it's, what they're doing essentially is they're doing the same as what we would do, but they're just doing too many reps in the build-up. So, like, we would essentially approach a warm-up and only do enough to get enough connection with the movement and weight to know that it's just a stepping stone in the grand scheme. So, we just do maybe three or four reps of a particular weight to know that it's comfortable and to have our body adjust to that, and then we move up rather than going into those 10, 12 reps uh, kind of um, parameters where you actually start to cause some fatigue. You're trying to avoid fatigue on the way up. We're just yeah. trying to activate. So it's yeah. activation versus fatigue. We don't want fatigue. Preparing for the main event. Exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 um, it's simply that. It's literally that. Obviously, we're talking about um, training execution. That's a big thing. That, like Personally, as well, has massively changed me the last six to 12 months, having spent some time with Ben as well. Um, yes. What, what do you think you've changed maybe recently last 12 to 18 months in particular anything specifically in terms of exercises you swapped in or out or are you finding more effective I know you've been harping on using the uh, V squat in Kings a lot for legs now uh, I had to go on that the other day it's, actually, it's pretty decent to be fair um, yeah. like anything in particular you've like noticed that you ought to like change that's made a big difference I've, 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 I've admittedly pulled away from a lot of my free movement exercises like barbell rows and stuff um, and, and force myself to find movements that have, you know, bracing as part of their, their execution. So anything that allows me to kind of brace my torso, stabilization. So where I can really keep things fixed and uh, keep form throughout the set, immaculate. You know, I think there is place for every every exercise, like barbell rows. They have their place, but I just noticed over the years, certain exercises didn't yield results for me. They didn't. They didn't make me look better. And it was funny because I was actually looking back to when I trained with Steve Avery a few years ago and we did Y3T and a couple of our weeks were lighter weight but more machine work. And I remembered the detail and the qualities of my muscle when I was doing that. And it kind of just struck a chord in my head where I was like, crap. I remember now when I was doing a lot of these machine exercises and I was really strict, my muscles actually looked better. And that's what you've got to remember. Like, This is bodybuilding. Like The way that you get to your best physique doesn't have to be the most impressive what has to be the most impressive is the physique 
yeah, that's the end goal you're looking for. Yeah, like it isn't about, you know, I've, I've, I love lifting heavy. Yes, I do. Uh, and I love lifting free weights. But if I'm going in the gym and lifting those free weights for six months brings virtually no progress to how I aesthetically look for the stage, then I have to question, am I a bodybuilder or am I not? And it got to the point where I was questioning that. So I need to make change because there was a few years where I didn't progress. And I, and I can really honestly put my hand, you know, on my heart and say, I think it's because I got sloppy with my training in terms of why I was training. It's not that I wasn't, I wasn't training hard. I was training extremely hard. I was doing some silly big lifts. But for the fact of being a bodybuilder, I went down the wrong path. Yeah. And I just had to find myself again. And I found myself again with this change of movements and using exercises that target muscles rather than the entire body. It's, yeah, it's quite, quite, quite honestly, you just have to pick exercises that kind of only beat up that body part. And you just make sure that you do it as hard as you can rather than smashing your whole body to pieces. Are I don't serious? deadlift no more. You can do a normal deadlift. I haven't done a normal deadlift in... <laughs> I don't know when I lost that one. So I'm exactly the same. I love deadlifting. It's fun for like the exercises, like doing it, but it has absolutely no crossover to anything it, that it, me. And it, it destroys me for six days. I can't train, like my leg training's in crap. Um, it, it gave me nothing in terms of physical appearance. No, nothing. And, and this is, and they say, if you're training for um, physical change and, and how you look, n- not just, you know, how much you can perform, then you have to sometimes say goodbye to the exercises you enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a sad, not sad, I don't know if it's the right word to use, but it's... Bad um, truth. It is a bad truth, because deadlifts are fun. <laughs> I just like doing it, but I, it wipes me out so much for the next few days, I can't, it affects the rest of my training, yeah. and then it's not conducive to the end goal of what I personally want to probably... Want no, exactly. It's not. It's not. It, it, it will drain you, and it will um, interrupt with recovery. It'll interrupt with... Um, it'll interrupt with... The, actual like your ability to assess your workouts and actually construct something that's progressive because the it overwhelms you with the excitement of the endorphins yeah, excitement yeah. of the weights going up because it's easy to measure your strength increasing because it's a strength increase that's very easy to monitor like you can do a deadlift one week you might hit 200 the next three weeks later you do 200 and it makes you feel great but that's not like you say it's not conducive to, to bodybuilding no no. Right. You said, um, obviously, you had a little a few years where you stalled in terms of progress. What was the big catalyst for you that made you that changed, that helped you step up and then really click back into gear again to maximise everything you're doing? Um, quite simply, just being absolutely fed up with not progressing. <laughs> I just got, I got to a point where I was like, man, I've spent so much time. I've been so close to being a pro. I remember in 2014, obviously, I won my class, and I missed out on the overall to Nathan Diasha. And then I had a couple of years after that where my places just went to crap. And uh, just spending a bit of time thinking, Jesus, James, like, it's either a break or nothing. You know, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've given everything to this. You've either got to push that 1% harder and, and make it happen now or call it a day. And I just could not have one more try. And um, somehow, I think the opening of King's Gym, I think when we opened King's, it birthed new life into my bodybuilding because I felt like I had something new to work with a new home, like a, new, a new tool in my arsenal and a new place to call home because I think I outgrew my old gym. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made it hard. I was a big fish in a little pond and uh, it was very easy to be the, the guy in there. And then we opened Kings and it brought a much wider scope of personalities in there who are successful and who are 
good at what they do and it meant that I had to step up or be forgotten. And I I always, I, I 100% admit now, like there is a certain amount of ego in this because I always want to be the person who is the best. Of course I do. And as does anyone who's in, involved in, in bodybuilding. So, you know, I want to be able to go in Kings or any gym and be the one that everyone says, wow, that's James. But he's, he's a very good bodybuilder. And it's not because I, I, I want people to kiss my ass. I just want people to, I want to, I want to be able to say to myself, I've worked that hard that I've got myself into that position. It's really not about appraisal. It's about me being able to acknowledge my own successes from my own choices in life. Because I chose a life in all honesty that was pretty uh, against the grain. You know, I avoided doing what most people do because I felt that there might be a chance to break through. Yeah. And um, somehow, some way it, it did work out. I, 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 it doesn't normally work out for bodybuilders. Not like this, not in England. It's, it's very few bodybuilders that, you know, can pay their mortgage because they're a bodybuilder. So I, I, I am blessed and I, and I love that. And that's why I, I, I don't know, I suppose I think it is, I think the, the main catalyst for my progress was Kings. No, that's, that's awesome. It's funny how, it's not funny, but how the sequence of events, how things can knock on from there. Cause obviously Pink's gym was closing anyway. If that perhaps hadn't yeah. happened, then Kings might not have opened and that might not have given you the spur to take you up another level. Well, I'd be working in Tesco's right now. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I would be. I'd be working a very uh, a standardised job because I'm not a skilled person. I don't have uh, the ability to uh, kind of learn fast. I'm quite a slow learner. So therefore, if I choose to try and become something, it takes a long time. And that's why I didn't want to give up on the bodybuilding because I started it very young. Uh, I, I don't learn quick. I'm probably, if anything, I might have a level of uh, somewhat disability with learning because it's always been something that's very difficult for me, even in school. Um, you know, I, when I was in school, because of that, I used to bunk a lot because I just couldn't hack it and I used to not turn up. I used to go skating instead because I just couldn't uh, in, take in information and process it and turn it into results. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just think I'm so fortunate how things have worked out. No, I'm saying. Do you, you refer to skating? Can you still skateboard now at nearly 300 pounds? No, I was actually, no, so you see, this thing, I was um, inline skating. Oh, so. inline skating, okay. Actually, remember, I, I, I don't know if I still can. I don't know, but I was on Amazon the other day and I was, I was one click away from getting another pair of skates. The thing is, close. like with your, it's, almost, it's not worth the risk with your career. Like, do you mean like one fucking slip and knee's gone and you're like, hmm. This is the thing. I, I, you know what though? All the years that I skated, I never had a proper injury. So I was just thinking maybe I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> you were a bit lighter uh, then, though. Mm. I was a bit lighter back then, I have to say. Um, I, I am tempted to give it a go just for comedy's sake. I think it'd be an excellent video, you know, pro bodybuilder. Yeah, as long as you film it, put it on the train jet by JP site. I would love to. I'll do a day of skating and I'll just put it on there. I'll, I think that'd be fantastic. We just show that we're not like one trick ponies. You know what I mean? There's, <laughs> there's other people. We're not just, uh, you know, meat and weights. <laughs> well, it's first 300 pounds uh, inline skater. Um, well, there you go. It's easy. There's probably not been done. So we can just claim that and get in the Guinness Book of Records. It's nice and easy. Bosh, done. That's one. Um, yeah. Let's roll into the next question. So we had um, someone asking in terms of digestion, digestive tips when you're looking to try and grow. Obviously, you've pushed food yeah. hard previously in the past. Have you found any ways yeah. to try and mitigate that feeling of like that you're bloated all the time and heavy? Is there anything you particularly like in terms of pre-workout meal that sits well? I think the biggest benefit, the biggest beneficial factor to to being able to push the food is, is, is activity. Like I, I can push the food as much as I like if I do morning cardio. 
yeah. honestly, I can push the food way up. And I can also push the food way up if I involve, uh, introduce the, you know, like midday walks in between meals. Yeah. Just being on your feet. Like if, if you struggle with digestion and you're trying to grow, honestly, it's not about throwing uh, enzymes down your neck or um, probiotics. It's about improving your body's capability to process and create energy. And it, energy demand is the best treatment for appetite suppressing uh, problems. You know what I mean? So yeah, 100%. your meals down, I promise you, don't, don't think it's going to be sorted by throwing a couple of pills down your neck. It's really not. Get yourself out in the morning and do a walk, do cardio. I know you're a massive advocate. Of oh, mate, I do it every, every day just to get, yeah. like, digestively is the main reason. It has so many good uh, factors to it. I like mean, you were discussing the other day, actually, like obviously the mental aspects of it as well as the physical. But physically, there is nothing better to treat problems with digestion. And yeah, like you might, some people might have bad digestion. They do one day of cardio and go, oh, I still feel rough. Do two weeks of that and see what happens. Yeah. You, you, you've got to be consistent with whatever you're trying. You can't do it for a day and then expect it to fix After two weeks, I guarantee by breakfast time, you're like, wow, I'm hungry for breakfast. Yeah. And that's how you need to be. That's how you should be every morning. 100%. So um, other other ways of helping is obviously you're probably not training hard enough because you're not creating appetite demand. So if you're in the gym and you're really being very poncy with your exercises and not putting enough energy into the actual workout, then you're giving your body no reason to be hungry. That's another thing. But also what I would say as well, if you're finding that a problem, then maybe if you're, let's say you're training four days a week, throw one extra day of training in. It might help your appetite as well because it's again more activity. Yes, create more of a demand. Yeah, I just I just find activity is 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 a blessing when it comes to appetite, um, and also not overindulging in any particular meals, Charlie. Like when you when you don't like if you miss a meal, don't cut, like squeeze two meals together because what happens is you just get backed up. If 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 any particular meal is too big, that's when the issues I find start to occur because it just becomes too much for your body to process, and half of it lingers around for hours on end, and then you end up getting backlogged and you don't have. You never catch up. No, you'd sleep for ten hours. Yeah, you'd have to sleep for ten hours to back, back to back to default again, which you don't want to be doing. It's just wasting your days and wasting your opportunities to grow. So, keep your meals keep your meals of a certain size. You know, eight. I'm going to say ounces because I've been doing everything ounces. But let's say two hundred to two hundred twenty grams of meat per meal cooked tops. So you're not over overindulging. And with carbohydrates, you know, uh, I tend to have what's considered you know two cups of rice in a few meals a day at tops, which is uh, Probably about 100 grams of carbs from rice. So it's probably about 125 dry weight, maximum, yep. maximum. Um, and I'm a heavy, I'm a pretty heavy guy. So if you look at me and if you compare, you know, yourself to me and probably realize you probably don't have to eat as much as that. Because I know guys that are lighter than me that are trying to eat, you know, maybe 300 grams of meat per meal. And it's like, wow, these are guys, come on. Really? Yeah. And, and some of the amounts of carbs I've seen people eat. But then also, again, Charlie's add to that food choices as well. Digestibility, like you said earlier. Have, you, have I got any particular meals I like pre-workout that digest well? Yes. I tend to opt for, I'm a yogurt fan. I love yogurt. And I know a lot of coaches out there are like anti-dairy, but if it gives you no problems, why not have it? Yeah. That's why I think everyone needs to be, try things themselves and get their own opinion. Yeah. Feel. Honestly, and look at how easy it is to get carbohydrates. If you choose a quite highly sugared uh, yogurt, like a, I, I get a Sainsbury's own uh, Greek yogurt style with uh, honey, and it's got 60 grams of carbs for a pot. That's an easy 60 grams there that I don't even feel go in. Um, and I have a friend that sits in Spain, actually. You know when I was in Spain doing yeah, the yeah. Uh, camp? Barcelona. The owner of the gym, he, uh, 
he's a very good bodybuilder. He's an elite pro. So he has one, essentially a pro carb, but it's just with the other federation. He carbs up heavy on ice cream. And I know why, because it works. Because I could eat ice cream. I get no problems with dairy. Yeah, I'll be saying to you, fair. None at all. I could eat ice cream tonight and I'll look great tomorrow if I was in shape. Um, so you just have to find what foods work for you. Like, don't think that you have to follow the standard. You know, everyone carbs up on potato or eats potato for their, their meals. You might find you eat potato on a daily basis and find you feel bloated. So tell the potato to go elsewhere and switch it for rice. Who knows? You might be fine with pasta. There is no wrong or right answer in this bodybuilding. Or even in diets in general. I know I'm saying bodybuilding, but to be fair, this applies to anyone who's health conscious and wants to kind of eat well. No, 100% agree with that. Yeah, just make up your own mind and listen to your own biofeedback of your body. I think some people are too, like, not, I don't know, ignorance is the right word, but they're just unaware of how they feel sometimes. And I think it's just being conscious. Yeah. Of, like, I've eaten this, I feel a bit shit. Put two and two together, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a case of putting two and two together. You have to experiment a little bit. Maybe do a day, you know, do a whole day of where you eat uh, carb rotation A. Maybe day two, you do a carb rotation B, which was different sources of carbs. See which day you felt better and eliminate the ones that made you not feel so good. Uh-huh. You know, again, this is, this is a long-term thing. So don't feel bad that you're spending a little bit of time trying to work your body out because when you do work your body out and you've got that formula, it's going to take you a long way. There's, also, there's, there's never like one set correct answer because your body's a, a moving and adapting machine. So whatever might work okay. now might not work well in three months. It can change. You could eat egg whites today and for the next 300 days and then on day 301, all of a sudden they stop, stop digesting. Here's an easy one. I don't know if you get the same. I go through phases where like, I love eating a certain food and so I'll just eat that and then I'll go, I'll get fed up of it. And I, part of that I think is probably digestively almost your body doesn't want that anymore. So then I'll go and eat something else. So I'll rotate between like white fish to chicken or potato to rice or like I'll get rid of cereals just because I don't, yeah. I don't fancy it. It's probably for a reason. There's something going on. I, 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 from my understanding, and you know, don't quote me, but I believe that when you do build intolerances to food, it's because you've been subject to them. Yeah. So it doesn't come from lack of, it comes from being subject to them. So perhaps you do build certain uh, intolerances with overuse of certain things. So if, if, if a food type has been going in your body consistently for a long, long time, perhaps there is a likelihood that your body starts to reject. So it's slightly sacrilege, bearing when I'm sitting here with a Coca Pop Pump t shirt on, but I've gone off massively recently. Um, so, what have you, have you so switched? I've switched it. I've in, increased my, I have a more white potato after training and swapped it for rice yeah. cakes with a sweetener on it because I just like, I like rice cakes. I like dry food. So, I have yeah. a load of rice cakes and I find that Don't really good. Like hydrating carbohydrates such as cream of rice or rice, anything that actually absorbs water can make you feel, can make you feel quite bloaty. So if you choose dry options that don't actually have any uh, kind of water intake, it feels like there's less volume. It doesn't make you feel too heavy. Yeah, 100%. 100% yeah. would agree with that. 100% would agree with that. Um, also, I suppose uh, they say, just before we go on about the old, I don't know how true you know about stomach acid, obviously. Yeah. I imagine the more, the more fluid I, I, have, I feel like this. Let's say I, yeah, if I drink this and I eat 10 minutes later, I would, I'm not going to say I'm going really to be super uncomfortable, but it'll be more uncomfortable than if I haven't drunk. That's, that's a big change I've made is reducing the amount of fluid that I drink when eating meals in particular, like so my post-workout meal, I won't, I'll purposely not have a drink with it because I know it's going to be a big meal. And if I yeah. have half a litre of fluid with that as well, it's just going to sit on my stomach. Yeah. It's just going to blow, yeah. blow up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same. Like, I love, I love like, fizzy drink like Pepsi Max and things like that. Like I won't ever drink that with a meal because I know it's just going to bloat me out. 
feel what you do. You feel huge. You feel yeah. huge for ages. And that, that's saying something. You know? Take that as again, it's biofeedback. Yeah, it's just listening to your body and how, how you feel. Um, one interesting thing that I know you, you've implemented, I think, from working with your previous coaches, uh, testing a fasting blood glucose, or uh, yeah. blood glucose like post-workout as well. Do you feel, still yeah. find that's a big benefit in terms of like really yeah. nipping down and maximising your time of when to eat? Yeah, I think so. I think those two windows are the most beneficial. I think you could be really anal and do it more, but you're just going to end up pricking your finger all day for the sake of it. Um, but I think those two are great just to keep an eye on your own sensitivity because then you know how your body's dealing with carbohydrates. Fasted is great because then you know how well your body's processed everything overnight. And if it's been able to eliminate, you know, such carbs and uh, if you've got a good enough insulin response and whatnot. And then I think the same with post-workout. It's good to see if you're especially someone who uses an intra-workout carbohydrate, how well your body has processed those carbohydrates during training and utilize them and put them to action and put them to use. So if you come out of, you know, if you come out of training and blood sugar is ridiculously high, then your body's probably struggling with the amount of carbohydrates you're taking in during training or your your uh, body's ability to digest whilst training is is not as good as perhaps some other people's. Yeah, 100%. When you're training, your body's trying to fight. There's two, ner- two nervous systems, sympathetic and uh, parasympathetic. Everything's trying to fight. And one, you know, drinking is, is from one and training is from another. And there's a clash. And if your body's not able to do both, maybe the feedback from the blood glucose monitor would tell you perhaps you're not the type of person that should be having intra-workout because your body can't do nothing with it. Whereas for me, I know I can because my body processes it well. So for me, it's just, it allows my, me to know how uh, functional and how optimal my body is on my current plan. Because I know people ask this, do you have a set range you're going to try, you try to get your blood glucose down to before you need to move? Yeah, in, in, I think 4.5 in English. So um, it's about 80 in American. What, so 4.5 or below? Yeah, so if it's 4.5, I'm ready to eat. And anything below, practically. So I, th- I think that's, that's, a, that's a good, that tells you that your body's pretty damn sensitive. It's pretty good. And utilizing food and turning it over. Yeah, because again, like if I, if I came home and my, my blood sugar was too high, I know my body's still trying to soak up those carbohydrates or that my body's to load of glucose into me because of the response to training. So I still let that even ride down because your body's natural response to training as well. If you are putting blood sugar right down, you're still in the gym, your body will dump its own glucose in there. So therefore, your blood sugar can actually go up. So you have to kind of let it ride. So when I get home from the gym, I don't immediately do my blood sugar and eat. I would do my blood sugar, I'd have a shower, then I'll come back down, do my blood sugar again, and often it's dropped quite a lot between that time. That's when I would eat. So I don't eat probably for about 45 minutes to an hour after training. Yeah, that's generally what I find is about right. And I find... The bigger the body part you train, the more time you need because your body's so stressed and in that stressed yeah. like fight or flight mode that you need to let calm down. Yeah, definitely. And um, another thing as well is that you've had intra workout, so you've essentially eaten while you've trained. So don't feel like you're in a rush to eat post workout. Yeah, I think I think people like that's the biggest misconception is people think yeah. like, as soon as you put the weight down, you've got to have an intro, like a post workout yeah. in a second, otherwise you're gonna. Waste like, don't get me wrong if you're someone that trains fasted or something like yes but most people nowadays we've got carbohydrates we've got uh, essential aminos creatine everything going in during training you're far from catabolic <laughs> yeah the machine is fueled don't worry about it absolutely absolutely you've started recovery before you've even left the gym no 100% 100% Sorry. 
in regards to obviously we touched on intra workout nutrition there. Obviously, you're using carbs into workout. I presume you use creatine, essential amino acids. Do you add glutamine yeah. else in there? Yeah. So because obviously, I, obviously, I've got to train my GP range. So we have the um, in our MPS Max, we have the we actually have hydrolyzed whey protein in there. So a full complete protein, essential aminos in there. Uh, we have um, glutathione in there. We have glutamine in there. Uh, in the sustain, which is the carbohydrate formula, I have the creapure in there, the cyclic dextrin, the uh, carnipure. So there's, we've got everything, that you, everything that's beneficial during training basically is in what I put in my drink. And if I wasn't with training my JP, when I wasn't, when we didn't have the supplements, I was making it myself. So I, I would always have had like essential aminos or Pepto Pro. Uh, I would have had cyclic dextrin because that's the best carbohydrate in my personal opinion. Uh, and then I would have always put creapure in there with perhaps um, some. Uh, I always used to like having car- not carnitine, um, sorry, citrulline yeah. in my really? in for workout just for blood. Helps, it helps just keep you nice and full. So those are the ingredients that I would suggest if you if you are making your own concoction that you want to kind of make sure that you have present because they do help. Even sea salt, a little bit of sea salt in there as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of adding electrolytes, I think, into your workout. I think people, a big thing a lot of people don't do is add enough salt onto their food, and particularly if you're training hard and a lot. It, do you know who it was who got me salt in my food quite heavy? It was actually Sasan. Because really? I was watching Sassy, like, and I was like, he was putting like six grinds of salt, and he said something to me once about, you know, when you're coming into a show, and you're going to manipulate sodium on those last days, how the hell do you do it if you're not measuring it normally? It's very, very so like, point. That's true. So, if I say do, f- if at a minute I'm doing four grinds per meal, when I've got to put it down by half when it comes to showtime for a few days, you go two grinds per meal. It's very easy. So that's how I do it now. So all year round, I know how much uh, sodium. See, this is what I come back to about you being consistent because you know you got your shit on lockdown. You know, you know what's what. Whereas most people haven't got a clue. Yeah, you have to. You have to. At the end of the day, you seek perfection, and perfection takes perfection. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's structure, structure and consistency. It is, absolutely, it is. Structure. And you know, we're the type of people as well, we'll always look for that 1%. If, if a few grinds of salt is the 1%, we'll do it. The thing is, this is where people don't understand. So that gives you that 1%. If you find 10 other things that can add you 1% and you do that consistently, consistently over 12 months, that's yeah, a every day more months. progress you're going to make. Exactly. And the thing is, if you have this attitude where you're like, oh, it's only 1%, the other way around, how many 1% did you leave out? Yeah, you can leave out a list of them. All of them don't look big to you. They all look like little things. Like posing after training. Ah, sod it. Uh, doing abs in the morning. Ah, sod it. Doing that extra five minutes on the cardio. Sod it. If, you, if all those things get put to the side, that's a lot of stuff you're not doing that you should have been doing when you're trying to progress. No, 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. Um, some more points we obviously wanted to go through. So in terms of what would you say is your biggest mistake when it came to building muscle when you were younger? You said sort of what we touched on earlier, trying to train uh, to be like a powerlifter maybe, because like you have got to be one of the strongest bodybuilders in the world. That, but also like, uh, there's been points where I probably could have gone that road, road definitely because I was so focused on that. But I think probably even more of a, uh, an issue than that was not knowing the importance of eating enough. Would you think you are? When I was younger, I didn't eat. I didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I would train every day without. So it wasn't because I don't think you can really overtrain if you eat a lot. I really don't. I think if you're eating point and you're eating enough before you're training, you can train as much as you like. I know people that train every day, but they eat really well. But I used to train every day and not eat well. I didn't have a clue. And I suppose part of that was not having the money because I was young. 
And part of it was not having the education, knowing that really what builds muscle is food. Yeah, <laughs> so I think in my younger years, yeah, in my younger years, I didn't realize the importance of food. Um, I just thought it was effort alone, which was great because I think if you're going to teach yourself something first, it's always good to have effort. You know, effort's a great starting tool, and then it's good to add food later because food's not really. Um, I think it takes more of a person to have the ability to tune in in the gym, in my opinion, than to eat. Whereas there's, um, there is many people that find it the other way around. They're like, oh, I find eating, I find eating so easy, but going to the gym's hard. It just depends on the person. Me personally, I'm glad that I found effort first. I think, I think effort is the one thing that will take you to the very top because you can, you can learn to eat, but you, like training, training like to that edge of like like where you're going for it is a skill that you have to acquire and it's not yeah. not necessarily something you have unless you have the mind for it yeah yeah it, it's not something that's in everybody i certainly noticed that because we go to the gym you only have to look around you see who's there for you see who's there and really in there and you see who's in there and half in there <laughs> yeah you can see who's, who's conscious of what they're actually doing being present in the moment and who's just dicking around for instagram or whatever presence is everything man like presence goes to all aspects of life this is something i've been so keen on trying to pass on to people is that if you're if you're not present you're not living no life is presence because you only live in now you don't live in the past you don't live in the future if you're if you're overly concerned with either one of those two where are you right this minute no 100 100 i think it's, it comes back to appreciating the small things in life like we talked about earlier before we came on the call is about like how nice a day it is the blue skies out and it's just already gives you a positive start for the day it's being like having gratitude for these small things daily will add a positive mindset that will help you going on. I think people forget to use these and they're too often in here. Yeah. Because these are here. You've been, granted, you've been granted these for a reason to use them now. But you know, like how many times have you walked down the road, got to a destination and not even seen the walk there because you've been too busy in your own mind. No, and it's trying to teach yourself to be the opposite to that. See the journey. When you walk down to wherever you're going, let's say you're, you're even just walking to the high street to get a coffee, take it all in. Look at the bricks on the houses. Look at the windows. Look at the designs of people's uh, driveways. Like, appreciate just simple little things like that. But so often we walk down the road and we're like preoccupied with thoughts of how am I going to make, how am I going to get to where I'm trying to get to next week? How am I going to get to where I want to get to next year? Like, that's all good, but you know, life's, life's short sometimes. And if you're not living today, you're going to get to the end of your your story without really having noticing anything <laughs> ever taken. Yeah, you're, you're too absorbed in your own, your own self. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I had, brilliant. and I love how like a lot of social media influence, like thoughts, like Kai Green thoughts become things, but they don't, if you're a procrastinator and if you think yeah. and think, think just do don't take that, does it lead to anything? Yes. Yeah, so well, I just think, yeah. One of the greatest sayings I remember my dad said to me is like some, I think he admired was a, um, like a business guy. He had on his desk a sign that said, just do it now. And like, yes, just, that, that yeah. literally like was instilled for me. Like now, whenever I get an idea of something, I was like, fuck, I'm just going to do it now. Like go do it, do it today, do it today. Cause you might not get tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the more things you do just now, the more things you can do. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that being said, I think I overdo it sometimes, but, um, it's, yeah. it's a uh, happy medium sometimes. Yeah, and I, and I think it's better to be a to slightly overshoot than to not try hard enough. Yeah, hundred percent. What was that? What's that saying? Is it but better to shoot for the stars and land on the moon or something? I don't know. Wherever it is, exactly. You still land on the moon. You still made it. Yeah, exactly. You still somewhere good. This yeah, exactly. It. So it's better go to have big goals. Yeah. 
Um, on talking of big goals, uh, obviously the Olympia is coming up soon. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's quite a open debate in terms of who could be in the running for it with obviously a lot of big names not in it this year. It's an interesting one because obviously two days ago, Heidi Japan got into the US. No, I saw that and that's... But do they know if he's doing the, the 212 or the Open? They haven't confirmed. Heidi Rambord put a post up saying he hasn't chosen. There was speculation that it was the Open, which I think he should do because I think he's a world-class bodybuilder in any body weight. I don't think he's a 212 alone. I think he's, I think he's a fantastic 212, but I think he's also a fantastic open bodybuilder. And open bodybuilders got more money, more prestige, more acknowledgement. It's so the top of the top. Yeah, you go for it. It's like we just not? Saying, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go, go big. Like that's it. That's it. Like don't don't. He he has a choice here to either scale back purposely or go for the big time. Mm. Go for the big time, man. Honestly, I think he's a. I think he's a threat to the title. I honestly do. People say like he's got. It's like Marmite with uh, Hadi Japan because some people don't want to give him that kind of praise. But I look at bodybuilding for bodybuilding and what the, um, you know what it always was and what was meant to be from it. It's structure, condition, separation, presentation, and Hadi Japan is a true professional in and out, like beyond anyone I've ever seen in terms of how he presents himself. He makes other people look like they're still amateurs. Mm. So pristine, like pristine with his performance. He treats it so important. Like it's almost like he takes it more seriously than everyone else. And I, I think it's, is is a threat to anyone, no matter how genetically gifted the open class, if he's in it, no one's safe. No one. And that goes for Brandon, who I love, I've, I'm friends. You know, I talked to Brandon. We message. He's been on my podcast a couple of times. He's a great guy. Um, you know, Bonac, Dexter. Like Dexter is great, but Heidi's like shortening him and got wider shoulders and more separation and more detail and more, more on the frame. So like, and Dexter's the greatest bodybuilder of all time. He's the most winningest bodybuilder of all time, and I still think Heidi would Heidi Japan would be better. So that mm. says, like, and I don't know, maybe I'm just a fanboy, but I just think he's another league. No, be, be exciting to see. Be I think he's another league when I saw him. But when, when you see him next to Nathan in Vancouver, Nathan is a, he's a bloody good bodybuilder, yeah? I've competed against him several times, and he smokes me, and I'm not a bad bodybuilder. But there's just some level to some people that is just different, and yeah. Heidi Japan is just this different category. It's almost like... I don't know. It's like he should be in a different league, like a league above the league. It's, it's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> says, says his own league. Mm. Well, what, what was uh, again, I don't sound proper passionate about it. It's just because I've never experienced someone who brings the class of the old school, but in a modern era with the yeah. size of the modern guys. And he is that guy. But what I like, what you said there is like the, basically the professionalism and the consistency. And like, again, that's something that like everyone will say the same thing about you in the same respect is the consistency with what you do. Do you think there's, like a lot of core, like ultimately I think bodybuilding is not like an overnight success where you're just going to train for 12 months and then be an elite level. So like, is there anything you think anyone who's listening to this who wants to maybe go a long way within fitness or bodybuilding that they could take from you in terms of how to build a consistent mindset? It's so simple, Charlie. It's just, do you, do you really want this? Like really, like if you really yeah, they said this is the thing. Your why has to be the biggest why to, in order to be the best. If your why doesn't isn't bigger than the next man's why, he's going to be better than you at this. 
And that's just, the, that's just the truth of it. There's nothing else to it. It's really simple. It's a simple formula. You either are in this for the long run and you're going to live this because it's a life. It's not temporary. But if you're trying to be a champion, it's not temporary. You can't have a temporary mindset. You can't think, oh, yeah, I'll be done in 10 years. You can't even think of the end because you don't know when the end is coming because you can't monitor your progress and you can't choose how well you do. And at the same time, you can't be doing it for social media because you are going to spend, like I say, 22 hours of the day, 20 hours of the day without looking at your phone, hopefully, if you're not addicted. What are you going to do when no one's watching you? What's your drive then? Yeah, like are you still as driven when people aren't saying how cool you are and how yeah. big you are and how nice you look. Okay? Do you love living in the body you love living in? Do you love lifting the weights you're lifting? Or are you lifting the weights so that everyone around you loves what you're lifting? You know, you like eating the meat? You care about eating the meat? Like, that's honestly what it is. It's, it's when no one's watching you, are you happy to be doing what you're doing? Because if you're not, then you're not in this for the reasons that are going to get you to the, the top level. I love that. I love that. I think that's where, here's a controversial statement. Do you think the popula- popularity of fitness and bodybuilding has just increased because of social media? It's a cool interest. 100%. If, if, if Instagram didn't exist now, we'd have 50% probably less of people doing this. 100%. Because it's social media influencers like, and I think it's great because they're tapping into something that's great. And I think, I think fitness and activity is great regardless of why you do it, regardless of why. But I think then going a level above to be the representation of bodybuilding, which is much more cult, there has to be more to it than just that social media influence. I think the social media influence is great. I think if you can make a living out of it, you can utilize it and you can do things like me and you are doing right now and have fun with it. That's brilliant. It's a good life. It's a great life for anyone. And people should chase that. But if you did take away social media, I know that people wouldn't have this tool to then manipulate in order to make uh, a career. Yeah. And they would choose life because they're not, because ultimately what's most important to most people is financial security, money, a home. I was doing bodybuilding when I was in my overdraft. <laughs> I was doing bodybuilding when I was making less money than I was spending. Like I had to do some silly things to make some money because I had no money, like to try and pay for my bodybuilding. And that's when you're, that's passion. Yeah, when you're essentially what people call rock bottom, but you're still doing it, that's when you truly love what you're doing because you don't give a shit. And that was me. Okay? And that's a lot of people I know. But tell me now, if social media wasn't paying half these people, what would they be doing? Would they care as much about their, their image as they do? In truth? That's very, very, very good point. Very good point. And for me, like, obviously I, I, a lot. I film a lot of stuff when I, when I train, but for me, like, training's my passion, what I love to do. And I love... It's not the bet for me to put my headphones on and go off on my own and with no one else there and I've been in my own world. It's my escape from reality of yeah. the pressures of life of whatever it is. Absolutely. That day. It's the only moment Absolutely. of clarity and, and like purity you have because in that moment you're conscious in what you're doing and there's nothing else that really matters. You're not thinking about you got to pay this bill, you've got stress at home or whatever it is. Nothing else exists. Nothing else exists. Like, it's funny because even like... <laughs> My mum always used to say to me, like, you know, when, whenever anything bad was going on, anything, she's like, just go to the gym. Because <laughs> she knows when I go to the gym, all, these, all these, these things that you say, these negative thoughts or overwhelming thoughts, they don't exist for a couple of hours. It gives you time. It gives you time to become uh, mm-hmm. level and come out and reset and, and go again. It's a break from everything. It's a release. And it's, uh, 
it's an important way of living. It's no different than a, than someone who meditates. You know, if someone disappears off into a quiet room to meditate, that's their way of dealing with life. Our way is going to the gym and, and exerting our energy and resetting the body. 100%. Uh, that's how I relax, to be fair. It's it's an aggressive way to relax, but it's what I love to do. So It's a general aggression that equals... Uh, equals kind of um it, it gives you that kind of uh serenity that balance that makes your soul feel cleansed homeostasis yeah it like just brings you back down to earth because if you didn't release that energy where would it go yeah and then like but that you, you end up that pent up energy you end up lashing out on the people around you who are closest to you a lot of the time because you've got it, it, pressure it, built up in you out somewhere in some form and a positive way of utilizing your energy is obviously in the gym. That's why physical activity in general, I think is such a good thing for anyone who's trying to stay mentally healthy and not fight. You know, like I think the, one of the biggest causes of like depression perhaps is lack of activity. I hope agree with that. Like, I, I know people that face depression and often what I've noticed is quite a lot of what's going on is they haven't found something for themselves that allows them to exert. And if they find something that allows them to exert heavily and get rid of a lot of the tension and energy that's negative, then the, the weight on their shoulders is a lot less and the feeling of pressure and anxiety would be a lot less too. No, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we'll start to wrap up here. One last question for you, James. Obviously, yep. the big goal for you um, is to try and get to the Olympia stage. How are you feeling about that uh, going forward? For obviously, you've got a big, big 12 months or so coming up, or 18 months, whenever it is. Honestly, like I think it's very, very possible. Chris, I sent Chris photos the other day. He he just said straight. He's a very simple man. Doesn't say much. He said, "Yep, yeah, you'll win a show next year." If <laughs> and that's all it takes. That's it. Right? When you make belief is there. You're Vegas next year. I'm, I'm coming. I'll be there. I'll, I'll come watch. Oh, definitely. I need a nice. I need a few. Be great to have some friends there, man. It's a great. It's somewhere I haven't been yet, so I need to experience it with a few people. But um, I, 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 I definitely see it coming. I haven't come this far to just come this far, and uh, I hate to participate. I made great progress. Yeah, and I made great progress in the last year and I learned a lot. But I feel like I'm going to uh, learn even more now with Chris. And I think Chris strips things back enough to keep it basic enough that the formula isn't overwhelming and it allows you to just take steps forward rather than guessing. You know, sometimes you just got to go back to the, the core material and just go. And I think I'm at that point now where I've, I've taken in a lot of information and a lot of knowledge. But what will ultimately take me one step further now is reining back and just focusing on the goal. It's being precise and consistent rather than overcomplicating. Yeah, I don't need all the tools. I don't need that. I just need to um, focus and just go. Focus, go, and do not deviate. Because deviation is obviously a cause of uh, stagnation, and I don't need that. I just want to channel in and go forward. Head down. So head down and just go forward. Nothing changes. You know, It's the same thing as last year, and it's the same thing as the year before. It doesn't change. Until I reach where I want to reach, things won't change. And uh, I'm happy to commit to that. I'm happy to say that that's what I'm going to do and that's all I'm going to do. I think it's one of those things is that I'm big into the law of attraction, like even what you just said there, that you will make that happen. Like if you put something out there into the world in terms of positive energy of like, this is gold, this is what I will achieve. Like you're telling people you'll do this, you will make it happen. You're making yourself accountable to do that. And in that respect, you create pressure on yourself. And you also like, if you put that out into the world that you want to achieve this thing, then chance are it can it will actually happen because you've you've said and like like created the, the being of it almost. You have, you have. It's um, 
you know, vocalizing something is a seed. And then the actions follow. And as long as you're someone that's willing to follow your voice, then it will happen. And I think um, as long as you're realistic with what you speak of, then there's no reason why you can't make it happen. And I've never said something that's too far ahead. I've never said, you know, two years ago or three years ago, I, I didn't ever say I want to be on the Olympia stage. I said I want a pro card. And it's about that. It's about not saying too much. It's breaking down small steps. Yes, and that's, again, that's repeated in this whole discussion we've had. It's about setting realistic goals, ones that can be achieved, and then just once you reach those, setting the next one and so forth, and just keep, you know, slowly chipping away and adding to the pyramid, you know, that, that step into the, the highest point, which will be the end goal, which you don't even know what it is until you get there. You won't know what it is because life changes and things along the way will steer you in directions that you never thought would probably be uh, possible paths in front of you. You didn't think you could go left or right at this point, but then opportunities come and you take them and you arrive in destinations that perhaps shock you, but also make you realize how wonderful life is because it's so uh, open and so vast. You can achieve anything you want if you've got the right mindset to go and do it. Can, you can. You honestly can. You have, like As long as you're really actually genuinely feel what you're saying, if you genuinely want to get somewhere, you're not just saying it, then you will get there. But I think you have to acknowledge whether you genuinely feel that way or you're just saying it because it's so easy to say and almost be convinced that it's really what you want. But if it's not, then are you going to get there? You have to really, it has to be so honest. It has to be an honest passion and an honest drive. And you, you'll know that from within if it's, if you're being true to yourself. 100%. Of course you will, because you won't be able to, at the end of the day, you won't be able to keep it up if it's not genuine. No, it's not sustainable. You'll be motivated, but then you won't be disciplined because when the motivation wanes and you're not disciplined, you'll just fall apart. Yeah, what happens after after motivation? You know, when when the motivation's lost, you have to have discipline to follow. And that's when you truly see what someone's made of and what they really want from this life. That's when you find out why. That's when you find out, yeah. That's when you find out, absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll wrap this up here, said James. So thank you so much today. It's been super informative and I'm sure it'll be truly inspirational for a lot of people. Um, so, so people can find out uh, about you. What's your Instagram handle? So it's Hollingshead89. And uh, the new algorithm on Instagram is messing me up. So I need some new followers. <laughs> Join the team. It's playing with everyone. But I, just, I think it's, it's like that. Like, and I'm not saying life's all about followers, but I have noticed it's kind of on. Yeah, it's, it's for everyone. Uh, I think Facebook's playing games where they can start charging people for each being on the high, high lines. But, um, and in terms yeah. of your, your podcast and other ways people can reach out to you, yeah, so two places really. Content-wise, if you just check out www.trainbyjp.com, obviously all my videos, um, my f- the forums are on there where we answer questions daily. So, so if you have any questions, like, yeah, so like if we had any questions like the show, you know, just fire them on there and I try and answer my best. Sometimes I'm very blunt because I'm not, I've said this to you before, Charlie. <laughs> I don't see the purpose of being ultimately scientific because I think a lot of people in this industry are trying to be to that. Yeah. So I'll just give you my straight answer. So I'll just say yes, no. This is what I do, in my opinion. Um, so that's one place where you can catch us. And then the second is uh, I have a podcast on the go. We record every now and then. It's not really structured, but the Size Game podcast, which is on Instagram as well, which is just the Size Game. And uh, that's pretty cool as well. That's more bodybuilding related, but um, it's always somewhere. If you want to, again, listeners' questions and stuff, it's another place for you to kind of put those. Cool. Well, absolute pleasure today, James. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your rest day and get ready for your uh, training session tomorrow. What are you training tomorrow? 
tomorrow is our push day so it's uh it's gonna be great it's gonna be nice it's, uh it's always a nice one because it's the t-shirt muscles <laughs> it's easier than three on push pull legs it's the chest shoulders the chest shoulders and triceps it makes you feel really good you know <laughs> love it love it yeah it'll be a good day hopefully the weather holds out yeah pleasure pleasure thank you very much mate